Hello, and welcome to the Business of Authority. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Rochelle Moulton. And today we're going to talk about finding your voice. Oh, I'm really excited about this one. Let's start here. What's your voice? I don't know what that is. It, it's funny because I know we were talking about this before the show, and we probably have different ways of thinking about this. So to me, your voice, and we're talking about authority, your voice is how you communicate with your audience. And it can be writing, it can be speaking, podcast, video. It's your ideas. It's your point of view. It's your style. It's the way you communicate with your audience. And when you find your voice, I feel like that's the most authentic connection that you have with your audience. But it's not just about uh, you, it's about your ideas and how you translate those to the audience in a powerful way. Mm. Okay, so I guess is some effectiveness in there, understanding your audience, being able to present, having big ideas and being able to present them in a way that your listener is, it's gonna click with your listener. And so sometimes, again, before the show we were talking, I was, I had looked back at some of my older emails and I was like, wow, like these are actually, I, I was expecting them to be like lame, you know, like five <laughs> years <wheels>. ago. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, these are different, but they're not bad. They're more, more like primary colors. And now I, I've got like a much broader palette. And I think there's kind of pros and cons to both of those things in terms of communicating the information. Like you get that curse of knowledge and, and you have to make sure that you're always like, describing things in a in a context that's going to get across but i feel like that's not i feel like that's only a part of what what you mean by voice it feels like there's a lot of personality maybe authenticity maybe there's Mm -hmm. some some idiosync a lot of idiosyncrasies i would expect yeah that's part of being authentic i think right there is a there's a richness that i think of it's if you compare it to a singer and you look at a singer early in their career versus a few years in, mm. it's typically a difference. They're more experienced. Yeah. You see the way that they move around the stage. You see how they sing certain songs may have changed. Mm. They're reflecting their experience in their music. And That's a it's great kind of, metaphor. Yeah, it's the same thing here because it is partially about your point of view. And I think our point of view tends to shift a little bit the more work we do. There's some things that that maybe you believe when you first start that after a while you're like, you know what, I don't think that's the important part of my point of view anymore. It's still there, it's still maybe a plank, but it's not the one of the first three. Hmm. What I'm really spending time on now is X. Right. And all of that contributes to how you develop your voice, especially as an authority. Yeah. So to, to piggyback on the singer thing where obviously voice is everything pretty much. Mm-hmm. I, when you, th- when I think back to people whose career I've been privy to, even people who aren't really famous, but like when I was back, when I was doing like the coffee house scene in Cambridge, there were certain ones who they would stay, when they started off, they were not timid, but a little more timid than they ended up. And a lot of times a little bit derivative so you could hear Mm -hmm. you could really hear who they were copying and then later like the best way to put it is they just let their freak flag fly they just got weirder yes but i don't mean weird in like a cuckoo cuckoo kind of way it's more like they just got 
they let the derivative stuff, it's still under the surface. It's still like the foundation, but it's not the, it's not the main piece. And they just said, screw it. I'm just going to be weird. And I'm just going to sing the way my voice is. And think of someone like Bjork. She's just like <laughs> bonkers. I love her. And why do I love her? Because she just is, look, this is just pure, 100% un uncut Bjork. When, <laughs> right, you know, there's only one. Yeah. And that, to me, I think if we want to talk about why to find your voice, we're just assuming it's a good thing or, or presenting it as if it's a good thing. It makes you different. And being different, standing out, is critical as is for someone who's building an authority business. If you're blending in, no one can see you. It's like yes. having camouflage on. So if you're if you are derivative of other people who are in your same category, you're going to blend in. And that's death. You want to stand out. Exactly. It's I, I kept thinking when you were talking about the derivative idea of the scales falling away, not musical scales, but like yeah. dragon scales just falling <laughs> away. It's because I, I think that's exactly right. As we progress in our career as experts and authorities, it's the scales start to fall away that you hung on to because you don't need them anymore. Mm -hmm. As you find what's true for you and your belief system, you can let that other stuff go. Mm -hmm. And in fact, sometimes what happens is you become more pointed. In other words, you, you might be anti something in addition to being full pro something else. Mm -hmm. And so part that becomes immersed in your voice. There are things you're for and there are things you're against. Right. And that's all part of your point of view and how that gets reflected and integrated into your voice. And over time, you turn from grape juice into like wine, like with a lot of character. Fine wine, baby. Fine wine, yeah. Or like you go from <laughs> boiled green peas to Brussels sprouts. You start to become more of an... Well, yeah. It's, I consider myself to be an acquired taste. And certainly Bjork is. And there's lots of other... I, I can see lots of other examples of people who like think of thought dear listener think of it thought leaders that you look up to or follow maybe it's whoever look at just in the marketing space look at gary v versus seth godin they're both saying yeah. very similar things mm -hmm. conceptually like at the conceptual level they both believe the same fundamental concepts about the right air quotes way or modern way or the most effective way to do marketing in this day and age but could they be more different you know, oh, really? Right? Like, if you're like a huge Gary Vee fan, that's you're probably not going to be a huge Seth Godin fan and vice versa. Maybe yeah. you are. He, but. he would he would probably feel watered down compared to Gary Vee. I'm a Seth Godin fan of those two. I, mm -hmm. I understand Gary Vee. His, his style just isn't for me. Mm -hmm. I don't yeah. really like to listen to him. But he has good things to say. It's not a, it's like not like a personal thing. I just his style doesn't work for me. Yeah, and you're not really, and neither one of us is really his target market anyway, so exactly. that makes sense. He doesn't care if we like him or not, and yeah. that's another beauty about him and his brand. Yeah, but if he wants to come on the show, <laughs> that'd be fine. <laughs> you can tell us why we're wrong. I think that he's a great, he's like the Bjork of marketing. It's He's just out there, and you can probably think, I and mean, if you're not familiar really with either the work of either of those two people, I'm sure, dear listener, that you are familiar with people who really stand out. Whatever, it doesn't matter what the examples are. It's, it's What's important is for you to think, of examples that you're aware of and think, huh, who, what is it about them that, that makes, that connects you to them? And I'm willing to bet that there's something about them that really stands out and is unique and is not 
this kind of derivative watered down, just like everybody else stuff. And I was actually, I was just thinking like one of the, one of the scales that falls away. I like that visual metaphor. One of the scales that falls away for a lot of people I have worked with, usually they're newer and the scale is professionalism, like phony professionalism. Mm -hmm. Like I need to pretend I'm a big agency, even though it's just me. And I, I write my emails or I write my blog post or my even, even like sales communications or like very, but like button down mm-hmm. projecting this kind of enterprisey button down shirt blue suit kind of image in the words that they choose and it, and it but it's just bs it's like they don't talk like that they don't look yeah. like that it's not they're authentic. just pretending and that's an extreme example but that's one of those scales that would fall away and i don't my, my grammar is awful at even speaking but i do write I try really hard to write exactly like I speak. And and that includes grammar errors and slang and whatever mm-hmm. else. But that is not an unconscious decision. It's a conscious choice. I'm like, look, I'm just going to be myself and show up all the time. And people who like it are going to like it. And people who don't like it are going to go somewhere else. Being yeah. Trying to be everything to everyone is, maybe, correct me if I'm wrong, but if you think I'm wrong, but it feels like the polar opposite of finding your voice, like trying to be everything to everyone. Exactly. And one of the things that I do when I do brand strategy is I have the person identify the brands that they're really drawn to Mm -hmm. and doesn't have to be in their space. In fact, sometimes it's more interesting if they're not. And so I said, so what is it about this brand that draws you to them? And a lot of times there are crossovers between what they like about the XYZ brand and how they are. And so it's a way to tease that out of them. And so I would suggest if, if you're working on this, Go ahead, pick some people whose voice you're really attracted to, where Mm -hmm. you want to listen to them and you can't wait till the next email comes in your email box. Or the flip side is really interesting too. If you take someone who you're not crazy about because Mm -hmm. they polarize you, Mm -hmm. there's interesting things to be learned from them as well. Mm. And one of the first people that I worked with when I started my first business was somebody who had adopted a McKinsey Knot philosophy and she'd never consulted in her life but she started this consulting company and she just decided that she was going to do the opposite of what she thought mckinsey would do oh mckinsey anti-mckinsey exactly i thought this was some kind of way to tie your tie like the mckinsey oh sorry no (laughs) n-o-t k-n-o-t gotcha oh yeah do they wear a particular it's like all windsor at mckinsey (laughs) okay Anti-McKinsey, I get it. Yeah, and that fell away after a couple of years and she started hiring more people and she grew a firm quite a good size actually and sold it. But for really a good couple of years, she was, I'll say anti-McKinsey in case anybody out there is thinking of neckties, but (laughs) she was the anti-McKinsey. Somebody would say, what should we do? And her first question would be, what would McKinsey do? Okay, let's do the opposite. (laughs) And so that can be really helpful when you're starting out because it's, I think it's helpful to see what you don't want Mm -hmm. because sometimes it takes a while to just keep distilling this into the the fine wine that is you (laughs) once you've aged through the, the grape juice. And when I say aging, I'm not talking about getting older. I'm talking about maturing your point of view. And for some people that happens really fast. Yep. Yeah, some people people, are naturals at this. Yeah, for other people, it takes longer. But you can still do it. So if you 
So if we just take for granted, I feel like I don't think we need to beat the horse about that it's a good idea to be differentiated and stand out and have people who are really interested in hearing from you specifically and all of the brand, marketing, sales, benefits, and even impact and during delivery, all the benefits you would get from that. So if we just take for granted that it's a, a good thing to do, then what are some more, you talked about having this brand exercise at the beginning. What are some other things you do to help people find their voice? Are there other exercises that you can, that you commonly use for people who are not uh, a natural? It, when you think about it, a lot of it comes down to your point of view. Mm-hmm. And so the thing is to write it down and to write your point of view in a way that no one else in your space could say exactly what you're saying. And your point of view, it's not about you, it's about your audience. It's about how what you do transforms your ideal audience. One of the things you really wanna get clear on is what do I believe? And that's the easiest way to start this, I believe, dot, and just keep filling pages with that until you can distill it down into a point of view. And understand that when I say point of view, it's not necessarily something that you are going to share as a document with your audience. This is for you. Mm-hmm. And it's for you to get really clear about your core belief system and how it applies to what you're doing because that becomes the filter for what do I want to say when I'm a guest on a podcast? Mm-hmm. What do I want to write about in a book? What do I want to say in this email? How do I want my website to look? If you're uh, appealing to futurists, your website needs to look like really forward thinking versus people who are dinosaurs and just barely get online. I just saw a website like that yesterday. I couldn't believe it. (laughs) But there's still still people that like that. So it's getting really clear about your point of view. And the first draft will not be your last. And whatever last, in quotes, one you have, which is right now, is still going to change. Because if you're working on your authority, you're constantly rethinking how this, this big idea that you have gets out in the world. Mm. How does it actually help people transform? Can you think of some things that would be on a typical list here? Or maybe for you, or if you were guess at me, what kinds of things would be on this stuff I believe list? Is this like a values thing? Is it across the whole spectrum of your life or is it just for work or your specialty? This is totally about the transformation in your audience. So it's not about you at all, except that it's you're uniquely qualified to deliver this. So mm-hmm. let's say, let me think of an example. I don't want to use any client stuff. You could do um, me, so yeah. Okay, so hourly billing is nuts is your big idea. Mm-hmm. So you have a belief system about what that means. So you have a belief system about what retainers should look like. Right. Okay, yeah. you have a belief system about how, I don't know if that's the best one to use. The other one I was thinking is value pricing, for example. Yeah. Or how to write a proposal, or and they all, they're all through the lens of that fundamental value, or the fundamental... I call it the sun in my solar system. Yeah, the that's sun a big in idea. the solar system is right. Is hourly, hourly billing, billing is nuts. nuts? Okay, so what does that mean? Filtered through all of the things that my audience has to do on a daily basis. So, well, they have to decide what to put on their website. Okay. Wait, no. Let's stop for a second. Okay. I, I'd actually do it slightly differently. So, what do, hourly billing is nuts? Your ideal audience, independent consultants, 
software, my ideal audience is solo software developers. Okay. So solo software developers. So what belief system do you have for them that will get them to not bill hourly anymore? That's the beliefs. Yeah. Okay. So what do you believe has to happen for them to transform? So obviously we don't bill by the hour anymore. Right. But but the specifics are where the the tough tough part is. Right. And for example, I would guess that you probably build in something about positioning in there. So foundation of all of it is you need to be differentiated. Yeah. Yeah. And And clear in your value proposition. Lots of other people that are talking about pricing are not going to talk about positioning. So that's something that differentiates you and your point of view, but it's not about you. Mm-hmm. It's that your audience has to position in order to get the benefit of the big idea. Right. I want to make this simpler, not more complicated, but that's mm-hmm. the, it's important because that's why the point of view often never gets stated anywhere. That's why it's usually private because one, it's evolving. Two, it's, it's, it can be, depending on how different people write them, it can be prescriptive. And that's not really what you want to share with people. You want to share different points to get them to the end result, not just the belief system. Okay. So once, okay, so if I'm doing this homework for myself and I write down all these things and you did a great job connecting the dots for me, because like we took some of the terms that could be interpreted differently and provided some, I think, a little more concrete examples. Obviously, everyone listening is going to have a different son or big idea. But then if you're like, okay, what does that mean for my audience? That implies they know who their audience is or the audience that they want. So is is that something that, is that part of finding your voice is finding your people, do you think? Or do you think it's you just stand on the street corner and be (laughs) with a bullhorn and you're going to attract a crowd? Yeah, it's always about finding our people, isn't it? And it's chicken and egg. Sometimes you have an idea or a point of view, which is a bunch of ideas. You have a big idea and you have this point of view and it's directed towards an audience that you believe needs to hear this message and that there is the opportunity for you to create a business out of this. Okay, so if we're at the point where somebody has a big idea, they know what it is, they write that down and they have an idea of who their audience is, then they can say in in that belief document or whatever you call it, I point believe of point of view. Okay. So you can flesh out the point of view as a sequence of requirements or smaller ideas or tactical things that would support the big idea and helping somebody make the transformation that you see. Okay. So it feels so the actual term point of view if you think about it that's like where you're standing so that's like that would be the place from which you are viewing the world it's like where you are so i picture yourself on the mountain right you're on the mountain and that's your point of view you see all the hills and all that and what you're doing is you're telling your audience how to get up there on the mountain with you interesting so it's i have a vision for them and it's it might be a different mountain, though. It, it almost certainly will be a different mountain. It depends on what, what we're defining the mountain to be. Yeah. I don't, well, don't want to get too semantic here, but I, I well, like the nice mountain metaphor. Well, the, the mountains is the big idea. So hourly billing is nuts. Or another way to say that is you're not going to do hourly billing anymore. So mm-hmm. your mountain of not doing hourly billing okay. yep. obviously looks different than somebody else's. Yeah, the but there are commonalities. Yeah, there are mm-hmm. commonalities in the view. 
Yes. Okay. Got it. And the part of that is you write about all the about that all the time. Part of the view is oh, I don't have to scramble for every single project. Oh, I'm going to get paid up front, so it doesn't matter if the client disappears. Those things are important planks too. Mm, right. Yeah. And I just those are I call those my planets <laughs> in the solar system. Exactly. Okay. All right. So once once you've got that's all. It's all like inside work. It's all like personal work. Mostly, I guess there's going to, at what point would you start once defining that you, you said already, it's going to change over time. So maybe you're not going to make it public you're going to refine it. And I'm, I'm going to guess you'd start interacting with people who you think need or want to hear this message. And then it kind of, it becomes an iterative process or a process of refinement. Is that yes. what it looks like? So it, won't... It, it can look like that. There's usually two ways that, that it looks. One way is that somebody has an audience for a while, but they just haven't found their voice. So they know who their audience is, mm -hmm. but they haven't figured out exactly how to differentiate their point of view from everybody else. There's that. The other situation is what you just described, where you're really in the beginning stages and... I would argue you're exactly right. Mm. That part of what you want to do if you're in that scenario is you want to test out your point of view with people. Mm. Yeah, and that's more common with the people I work with is that they don't feel they certainly don't feel like they have an audience. However, you want to define that email list, podcast listeners, Twitter followers, whatever it is, they don't feel like they're speaking to a group of people on a regular basis. So it's they're usually starting with there or with low numbers in those places. And it's the, the kind of way I get to this in coaching is like, what do you want to be known for? Or what do you want to be remembered for if you want to think even more long term? And let's go after that. And oftentimes the problem is that that thing has nothing to do with their current business or skill sets where they'll just be like, oh, yeah, I just I want to be like a pro skateboarder. And so yeah, I'd love to be remembered there. as that. I'm exaggerating. But sometimes the, the thing that people want to be known for is it's not obvious how to get from here to there without perhaps a few rocks across the middle of the river, a few points of stability. And it's like a really long-term plan. Other times it's a little bit more obvious, but I guess now that we're talking about, it's funny because we're talking about finding your voice as if it's a personal exploration and there is a lot of that, but it can't exist in a vacuum. I That's need to know thing. what, because if it's not clicking your voice, it's the same with singers. I love the singer metaphor because even a great technically proficient singer is not necessarily going to click with an audience. Oh, classic example, try not to laugh, is American Idol. Oh. No, American <laughs> Idol. You watch these, there's one who is on right now who is an amazing technical singer. Mm -hmm. And I'm dying to see if at the end she wins. And I have the feeling she may not because the other ones have a little bit, feel like there's more rapport with the audience. Now, I could be totally wrong. This is mm. the thing where people vote. So right. who knows? But it's been known to happen where there's somebody who is an amazing singer like Jennifer Hudson. Mm -hmm. I think she left as number six or something. So how could Jennifer Hudson not win? Right. So it's, yeah, you can be amazingly technical and not click with an audience. And it happens a lot on the authority spectrum. Yeah, really in the, smart in, in our one little area, and it's harder to spread it out a little bit to other voices. And what that looks like with folks I talk to usually, because it's more abstract, it's ideas, it's not a musical performance. What that looks like is that they're right, but no one cares. Yeah. 
this because you, so like <laughs> that's good right there so they'll have this idea or they'll see this problem and they'll see, or they'll see this villain this uh, sort of philosophical villain for me it'd be like timesheets or tracking hours or whatever and they're right but no one cares like they because they haven't found a way to communicate it with people in a way that lights them up and gets them excited and connected and says uh, turns on that light bulb oh my god this crazy person is actually this crazy person might be able to help me with some problems that I maybe didn't even know I had. Mm-hmm. So it's like the you can see this is gets back to my need want semantics. Like there there could be a bunch of people who need what you sell, but if they don't want it or they don't even recognize that it exists, it's going to be pretty hard to fund the mission or well, have any it, kind of impact. Yeah, it's a different kind of thing when you're starting and there's no market for whatever this idea is. And when I say market, I don't even mean just money, an audience. And so it's way different to try and interest something, try and interest people in something that they haven't heard about before Mm -hmm. versus tying into a feeling that already exists or a frustration Mm -hmm. or a a hope for the future. You can go both ways, pain, pleasure. Yeah. And if you're tapping into something that's already there, that is so much easier Mm -hmm. than trying to make up some new thing. So let's just say, let's just say that somebody's got this big idea, they've got it defined and they know who they, they believe they know who needs to hear it then you know what we're leading up to uh, a few minutes ago is then test it figure out how to communicate to to me it's all about finding the right i almost said performance uh, like the presentation like the the language that you choose and the emotions that you bring to the delivery it's probably it's for authorities i guess people you know still doing like live talks and stuff like that whether they're remote or starting to be in person but it's like, what do you bring to that performance? Like whatever channel it is, whether it's an email or a podcast episode or a YouTube video or a presentation to a private group over Zoom. And how do you how do you take the same idea and present it or perform the idea to the audience in a way that's going to work, that's going to get, that's mm-hmm. going to, that's not just, they're just going to sit there. It's, it's not working because they're either, they've got the puppy dog cocked head. Huh? What? <laughs> Or they're checking their phones or figuratively or literally and it's just not working like you could be right you could be totally right but I, I feel like this finding your voice thing is clicking the plug into the outlet so if the if you're the plug and the audience is the outlet they need to connect yes so to me that's that's I don't know if do you think that's the exact is that what you're talking about when you say find your voice do you think or is it's like finding the way to connect with the audience I'm thinking it's different, but yeah, I think for me, when I work with someone and their voice, it's I'm trying to connect them to this idea in the audience. So I want them to, if, if they don't have it already, sometimes they have it already when they come to me and we're doing something else. But if they don't have it, I want to connect the person, you dear mm-hmm. listener, mm-hmm. I want to connect you to this idea. And so that you're, you're clear on your audience, and you're clear on your point of view. And then you're going to go out and experiment with plugging in. Yep. Yeah, it's so there is this preliminary self awareness that needs to be conscious, you know, yeah, like some people not... back into it, but that's the hard way. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So there needs to be this 
preliminary, or it helps if there's a preliminary phase of becoming more self-aware around what you stand for, let's say, what your big idea is or what you want to be remembered for, whatever the whatever way you want to say it. And then it's, okay, I'm confident in these ideas or this big idea and the ideas that feed into it. I'm confident in this. I believe I'm right. So now how do I, and then there's this next step, if you were going to do it synchronously, then it would be in this order, ideally. You know who you are, what you stand for, and you believe, you have this hypothesis that there's a group of people who would stand to benefit from hearing these ideas in a way that clicks with them. So then it becomes it's almost like phase two is like, all right, now how do I present this stuff in a way that is going to produce action? I like the performance word that you were using and, and the performance metaphor, because I think of it as stories, actions, and visuals. Mm-hmm. We're talking about voice, but it, voice is, as I said, it's more than just the physical voice. It's how are you going to translate all of that into formats that your audience can hear and emotionally respond to? Good. Yes. Emotionally respond to. Yes. That's why stories are you know, often really helpful. Mm-hmm. All right. And and then from there, not to put words in your mouth, but and then from there, for me, it's like a a process of iteration. So Mm -hmm. refining it again, this sort of scales falling away, being more, this is like one of those promotional, inspirational posters, be your best (laughs) self. But it is like that. You're not turning into someone else. You're being less, you're being less like everyone else. Exactly. You're being more yourself, but you're focused outward. This isn't about being the star of the show and having all the minions Influencer. sit there and clap, clap, clap. Yeah, this is not that. Because you're ultimately focused on the transformation, but you're doing it in a way that is so true to your best skills and your best self, to take mm-hmm. an Oprahism. <laughs> but yeah, because you're it's part of this process is figuring out what's your superpower. Everybody's got some, and and you might have several that you want to use, and and then you may have some that some things that some skills or talents that you're really good at that you don't want to use anymore. Oh, you're yeah. like, okay, I've been there, done that. I don't want to do that again. And so you focus in that new direction, but mm-hmm. it's absolutely iterative. And I think that's the part that can get a little frustrating because we think, oh, we've gone through the strategy, we figured it out, we've laid it all out, and now I'm trying this, and it feels like it's not working. Yeah, like, I know I'm right, but no one seems to care. (laughs) (laughs) And sometimes they do. It's just you haven't reached them because you haven't differentiated your message enough. Yeah, there's a whole bunch of reasons. The potential reasons for the disconnect are large. Mm, Yeah. Could be that you're you're screaming into the wrong microphone. Not that I would. But you're standing on the wrong street corner. Your people aren't on Twitter, and that's where you're talking about it. Or your people aren't on Medium or LinkedIn, and that's where you're. So you could be just a channel error where you're talking to an empty room. Of yeah. course, it's not going to resonate with anyone. And when I say empty room, I just mean there's no one in the room who cares. Like your people don't go on LinkedIn. They're on Reddit or one of the others, or uh, they don't listen to podcasts or they don't go to webinars or whatever the thing is. So there's like, that's one potential disconnect is that you just don't know how to literally, you don't know how to reach the people who you're trying to reach. But once you figure that out, then it becomes a little bit, now then the next step is, okay, what language is going to resonate with, I'm in front of the right people. Yes. What is the language that I would use to 
to connect with them emotionally. So it's like you're connecting with them physically first, okay, or virtually, but virtually. in a physical way, you can hear each other or see each other. And then it's okay, now how do I connect with them on an emotional level? Because that's the only thing that's going to produce action. And act, it was, this is, of course, assuming that the, ultimately the thing you want them to do is take action, which surely it is. Mm, yeah, it, you want to make sure it is. Yeah. 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 No, I, I totally agree with that. It's it's this is it's a process. And and just to say, add one point to that. It's been my experience that the more yourself you are, the higher the likelihood that you're going to produce an emotional connection. So it's almost you can think of it as like cheating, <laughs> like stop yeah. pretending to be if, if you have some of these protective scales around you still, because everyone has some just be like, OK, I'm going to swear. I feel like swearing. I'm going to swear. Or uh -huh. it's it might be, what's another thing? It just be be like super demonstrative, Gary V. Like whatever it is that's going to produce an emotional connection that is authentic to you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You don't want to copy. Yeah. yeah, you don't want to dress like Seth Godin. That's copying the wrong thing. You don't want to talk. I definitely like Gary don't v. want to dress like Seth Godin. That wouldn't work for me at all. Yeah, yeah. Um, you have to find the things that are true for you, and just. Not going so far that it's about you and not the audience. In other yeah. words, yeah, so it's really you. So you wear really cool glasses or you shave your head if, or yeah. you're a musician or you're a bongo player. Whatever those things are, those are interesting things about you. Yeah. And as long as you're not making everything about that, but it's just woven into who you are, it makes you a fascinating person. Yeah, that is an important distinction is you, you can't become about that. You're not trying to like impress people. You're yeah. looking for a way to help them take action to get this transformation that you believe is there for them, the, the get them to the top of their mountain. And, and by, ha by being, by avoiding First of all, I was going to say character of yourself, and there's a... That feels a little removed. Yeah, there's a certain... That's why I like performance better. Yeah, because performance per is really where it's at. Yeah, because you're really trying to be your best for the audience. Yeah, you're on. Yeah, and you're not being someone else. You're being yourself, but you're, yeah, you're on. You're not being... Oh, lazy. I'm going to phone it in. I saw a share concert like that once. <laughs> it was like she wasn't even there. Hmm. It's yeah, it's just it's important. Yeah. So it's not like oh, you're hanging out with your bros and just Ooh, whatever you're there. And everybody's once you get to the point where there are people air quotes in the room and they're the right people and you're, you're trying and your goal for them, your wish and hope for them is that they're going to do something. You want them to do something. And you, so you can't, you don't want to be casual about that. You don't want to um, throw away this time they're investing, this attention that they're placing on you. They're spending time with you. They're paying attention. So you want to deliver ROI there. This is your chance. Like this is, it's, man, it just keeps coming back to the stage metaphor. It's, this is yeah. your shot. And when you're on stage, whether it's acting or uh, performing, playing guitar or singing or whatever, bringing the other layers of your life to that is going to make is going to connect like Springsteen telling all these stories in between songs and just connecting with the audience in that way he that's the way he found that worked mm -hmm. um, so yeah it's such a weird topic because it's not because when you're on you're different than when you're not on but it's still yes, you it's still you 
It's, right. it's a better, not necessarily best, but a better version of you than the just laid back. I would say more, it is better in the context. It's a better way to be in the context. I would call it more focused. So it's a very focused a version point. of you. It's a particular yeah. facet that's trying to do something very specific. So I wouldn't want to, I'm a different person when I'm vacuuming. I've got the ear pods <laughs> in and I'm zoned out and just kind of wandering around the house. That's not the me I need to bring to a webinar with a thousand people on it. So it's not that you're different. It's just you're putting on a different hat. You're just on. And that's, I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm belaboring the metaphor because my background is in musical performance, but. No, but that's what it feels like when I get on a podcast or when I'm doing some kind of a class with people, there's, it does feel like a performance, not in the sense of memorizing lines, but in the sense that I need to be on for this audience. I have mm -hmm. a goal for that amount of time. How am yeah. I going to make that happen? Mm -hmm. And it's with, not fake. That's the no. important point, right? No, it's the opposite. It's like you're open. So everything, I, that's how I think of it, where I'm open and everything's flowing through me. Mm -hmm. Everything I've learned before, everything I'm hearing in the moment, and they're all kind of mingling. I don't, I don't always know what's going to come out, <laughs> which is that's part of the joy of any sort of alive performance. Mm -hmm. But and that, I, when, when you get to that point and it's and it can flow through you, maybe effortlessly once you get into the zone and you get better at getting into the zone to me that's when you found your voice because yes. you, can, you can start to hit home runs or at least triples a lot more regularly and you're like oh i'm in this i'm in this i found it i found it mm. yeah, yeah i absolutely think that's true mm. and I, I just wanted to make this side note i found myself on this email list it was this guy was recommended to me and it's somebody who did daily emails and he's, he sent one the other day and I just was like throwing him to spam. And so, somehow this one, I saw this one, I was just too lazy to un unsign, unsubscribe. Mm. And it said something like, I promised you I would give you an email every day, but my buddy and I went out last night and we got really wasted. <laughs> we had a lot to drink. I have a terrible hangover. And, but I still have to write to you. And so he told some weird story about going to get Aspen or another beer or something. And I was like, that just motivated me to unsubscribe. It was so not targeted at the audience. Yeah. It was like having to pick up trash when you open your door. Mm. No, you, he, he, you, can, you can spin stories like that. You can spin it around. But if you're not, if you aren't, if you don't deliver... I, I just like a hammer on this constantly. Every time I sit down to write an email, I 100% of the time am thinking, what is in it for the reader? What's the nugget? There was, and there's nothing in the, in, that was just totally self-serving and he didn't want to break his streak. Okay. Yeah. He but wanted find to check some a box. angle. Yeah. Yeah. It was, right. there wasn't an angle other than the guys just, I, I just don't want him in my box anymore. I want <laughs> him out. <laughs> and I knew that for a while, but it was, that's the one that made me unsubscribe. And I kept thinking, I hope somebody's looking at the stats and I hope a lot of other people said this too, but who knows? He might have a whole audience of dudes who go, yeah, I had the yeah, same problem last night. <laughs> <laughs> what a coincidence. Yeah. Yeah. So it could, it could be. Yeah. And yeah, that's it's not a self I would bring to the mailing list, but I have different expectations set for the list. But the thing about leading with the I promise you I'd write this so here's a steaming turd in your inbox that you're welcome. <laughs> no. I don't think so. Yeah. Yeah. I, I I would be surprised if there weren't a lot of unsubscribes from that one. 
I don't know what the is. I don't know what the list is about. It could uh, be he's like a mixologist, and so naturally. No, this is digital marketing help. Yeah, that would be like me wandering onto a webinar in my bathrobe and like my hair all messed up and being like, "Hey, yeah. everybody, I'm here. You're welcome." <laughs> Rough night last night, but Oof. I made it. <laughs> oh, my breath stinks. Let me tell you. Like what the? Don't waste our time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know nobody listening to this would do that, but it was just such an extreme example. It's, and it is it a just good happened. Point, I had to share it. It is a good point, though, because it intersects with our, it intersects with a couple of things. I just feel like it's a misinterpretation of other advice that we give. So like doing something on a daily basis is fabulous and breaking the streak is bad. Also, we, we're talking about being more yourself and like the person was being like authentic in the way that Seth Godin talks about authenticity. He hates it. He thinks it's, it's, he thinks authenticity is totally unprofessional. We're not here I for you to be see, authentic. I could see that. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. <laughs> yeah. We're here for you to show up every day and do your job. That's what we're here for. And if he, it's semantics a little bit. I, he interprets it's the word It's also generational. A little bit. Level. You're not that yeah. much older than me. Um, yeah, he's a boomer. He's clearly a boomer. So, the, but the thing is, you could take all of this advice, be yourself and and don't break your streak and write daily and all of those things. And you could say, connect with your audience and don't be fake or, or fake professional. And yeah, well, that was that really real? Was it totally raw and honest? Yeah, but it's there. there's a line somewhere in there where... It's like buying tickets to a Broadway show and sitting there and someone just, ah, oh, I was really drunk last night. Sorry. It's so I'm just going to, I'm just going to take questions. Yeah. <laughs> you know, ask me yeah. about being a Broadway star instead of people bought a ticket for a particular experience. So deliver the experience or don't. So I don't know what ticket people bought for his experience, but it sounds based on the preamble that it wasn't, he was dropping the ball there. It, yeah. It didn't work for me, but <laughs> cool. Okay. This is a tough this is a tough thing to do on your own, I think, but hopefully some tips that we've shared about the process of the self-exploration and writing it down and, and then finding a physical connection, even if it's virtual, a physical connection to people who you think you might need to help find a watering hole where those people hang out online or in person, if you can do that, and then start testing your voice, testing your performance of the ideas and start to see what things click with people, what resonates for people. And in my experience, you can't predict. You just got to throw a million things at the wall. And it's very surprising what will cause something to click for someone. It's, it can be very different. And, and in fact, I think I mentioned earlier, like my earlier emails weren't as bad as I thought they were when I went back and looked at them. <laughs> but I have a hundred times more arrows in the quiver, so to speak. So like back then I just had one and now I've got maybe a hundred of like, if something's not clicking, I've got 99 more things to try. And so sometimes that can result in a maybe overly or hyper specific kind of email, but, but it gives you more options as you, it's more, it's repertoire. Let's keep going to performing arts. It's, it gives you a repertoire, not of a bunch of different ideas, but a bunch of different ways to communicate the ideas that you can throw into the audience until it starts clicking and then you're like oh okay i found the one yeah that's it so when we talk about starting with a point of view that's big picture a handful of paragraphs maybe or bullet points that is guiding you but the arrows in your quiver 
are all of those individual stories, approaches, and some are going to bomb. They just will. And Mm -hmm. others are going to just resonate. And if you can look at the ones that resonate and try to understand why those resonated, like nine and a half times out of 10, they resonate because there is a story in there of some universal truth. Yes. Uh-huh. And it just, and we go, oh yeah, oh yeah, that's happened to me. Or I, I, I don't want that to happen to me, a cautionary tale. Right. Yeah. And you'll get people saying, it's, I never thought of that, but it's now that you said it, it's so obvious in retrospect. Yeah. Or it's been staring them in the face, but it'll be a different, it'll take a different arrow, so to speak, for different yeah. people to like have that realization. And you're not shooting arrows at them. Yeah, I, don't, I know. <laughs> I was thinking as I was saying that it's, it's more, it's more like, uh, stand-up comedian has all these jokes and certain jokes are going to bomb in certain towns and the same exact jokes will maybe kill in another town Mm -hmm. so it's like that it's or with two different audiences in the same town the late audience is drunker (laughs) and they laugh at some stuff and just don't get anything that's too complicated maybe that mailing list guy was at the show that might be (laughs) (laughs) all right cool so hopefully this has been helpful for folks i know it's really squishy territory Maybe talking through it and like exploring it a little bit will help you get unstuck if you, or at least recognize where you are in that process, beginning, middle, or end, and help you make some progress. Yeah. It's, it's over time getting rid of the tentative and Ooh. really knowing what you want to say yes to and what you want to say no to. And you I don't like start that. out that way. It's an iterative process. Mm. Yeah. And critically, I'm going to say it one last time. It involves the audience at a certain point. It starts to involve the audience. It's not just your voice deciding that you're right and the words you're going to say. It's like the words don't matter if they're not landing. Mm -hmm. So the audience is involved in the process of you finding your voice. They're the meter. They're they're the measuring stick. Their reaction is the measuring stick to whether or not you've done it. Yeah, this is all about... Your, tra- your big idea, transforming people, transforming a particular set of people that you define as your audience. Mm-hmm. So if they're not getting it, you're not doing it. You're, you're, yeah, you're not right. <laughs> yes, you're not right. Exactly. Yeah, some, somebody ain't working. Cool. All right, folks. That's it for this week. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Rochelle Moulton. And we hope you join us again next time for the Business of Authority. Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>